cliffcentral.com Sanmunan Nonke, welcome to the show. It is, frankly speaking, another hour of asking the difficult, hard, beautiful, wonderful questions. And um, it's it's finally happened. It's like the prodigal son. We, we've both returned. Rorisang. Sure. Give me long. Who is it? Lega. Sharp, sharp. Robert Simonat. Can Robert sharp, right? No, me, I'm Robert Sing, you know. I'm not it's trying. Good to, it's good to have Season you back. Song. You know, you introduce the show like you own the show, but you've been away for two weeks. So <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's like, prodigal son. Yeah, you've, like you've, you've, you've been proper you know? gone. You've been proper gone. Proper and gone. And you come in here and you do the intro like you haven't been gone at all and no one noticed that you've been out, out of town. I'm sorry, man. How you been? How you been keeping? I'm strong, man. How were your trips? No, they they were they were okay. I went to the colony for a little while, you know mm. that place, mm. and um, just to get your passport stamped again. Jeez, it really, really was that. Eh? <laughs> that place is 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 whiter than Omo adverts. I tell you what. But anyways, you know we 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 carry on. We will fix it sometime at yeah. some stage. Yeah. Um, my friend, you've been rolling around with some very interesting issues. A lot of. Uh, African context issues and I feel like you're about to bring another one here. This is an interesting this is an interesting show. Yeah, well, I mean, we've been spending a lot of time talking and you and I have been spending a lot of time just discussing um you know the 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 past and what's happened in the past and so on, but you know, sometimes you have to think okay, what can we learn uh from the past about the future? Mm-hmm. Right? And and then the next couple of shows we're probably going to be doing a lot of exploration around that. Um, and we thought, you know, let's look at colonialism as, 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 as something to, to look at and say, well, if the past was about colonizing us because of natural resources like gold and oil. Are you and, about to do a Helen Zillow on us? Coal. <laughs> whatever, right? I mean, if, if the past was about colonizing us for that, what might the future look like if we allow ourselves to be colonized? And you think about it and you think, heck, is data the next the next gold, you know, um, and and what will what might that look like if we if we if we if we don't stay woke, as they say? Mm. Um, and what do you and mean by that, Rory? I mean, like, <laughs> just help me understand it a little bit more because, you know, I'm the layman in the room. No, don't don't do that. Don't do that. No, you, don't do that. You, I got the Bantu education and you didn't. So there's, <laughs> there's, there's the Bantu education at <laughs> CBC Boxburg. Okay, <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> um, so so it's. The whole premise here is is that data is fundamentally the big thing uh, for the future, right? Um, he who holds the data holds the keys to the world. Mm-hmm. At least that's what we we keep hearing, right? Um, we hear about all of these big tech companies that have all of the data on us. The fangs, as they call them, right? Even fang isn't a sweet word. It's who, who are fangs, the fangs? Right? Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, um, Apple gets put in there sometimes as well. So you've got all these big tech companies and, and, and how they control data. There's a big controversy in the United States, for example, about... Uh, how Facebook and the manipulation of Facebook and social media in general impacted on the the elections of who Mm. becomes president of the United States. Mm. So data and the control of data are increasingly becoming very, very important. We speak about things like weaponized data these days, where, where they can take data and simply by the use of it, the manipulation of it, you weaponize it. In other words, you you turn it into a tool that can destroy others, right? The whole concept and the whole phenomenon of fake news, for example, is, a, is, is an example of weaponized data, is beginning to produce fake news. When we grew up, you and I, we used to call that... Um, what is it? The the like the onion and so on, or the, like not parody, S- satirical parody, satire and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. We used to call it satire. These days, there's no such thing as satire. It's just fake well, there's, news. There's no point, you know. You just watch. <laughs> Unfortunately, politics. it looks like our, our generation believes anything they read, and so it hurts. Uh, so so we don't even leave space for satire. We just believe it. If uh, I say the white people are going to be massacred tomorrow, uh, black people have agreed. Um, no no one just chalks it down as satire, it now becomes a, a flip, this possibility, until somebody says it's fake news. Well, if you said massacred, I would think that we're all going to get mascara on us, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. This like, is my 10th this is my no, language. <laughs> <laughs> English is my 10th language. Have you ever watched the series uh, Black Mirror? 
No, I haven't. But you, you keep asking me how many series I've watched. I've never answered yes to any of them. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, but Black Mirror, if anyone out there has watched it, is a very interesting series because it talks a little bit about these kind of issues, ethical, moral issues of the future. Mm. And a large part of them are around data and what people could do with data and how they could manipulate you. And, and, and. Very scary. You've got to check it out if you haven't seen it. I think it is on Netflix, which is part of the fangs. Mm. See how I'm picking up these terms here? You're, you're, you're captured. It's well, I'm captured, you. yeah. It's so um, you. check it out. It's called Black Mirror. I think there's three oh, seasons of it. Are they paying us advertising fees? They are, yes. Yeah, I know Fantastic. Are. Don't worry, I'll give that to you later. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some interesting guests in the studio as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how to introduce these two young gentlemen. They're both young, eh? I don't know, man. I think we're stra- I think you're pre- presenting some fake news concerning one of them, but I won't mention names and stuff. But uh, I'm just in saying. studio, we've got two guys that have a lot of experience within tech um, and, and are actually quite prominent names on the continent as far as tech, the tech sector and so on is concerned. Um, one of them didn't know he was a prominent name on the continent. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's prominent now. He's on our show. Fake news is good. All right, exactly. Okay. So we've got Busun Tijani. He is the CEO of the CC Hub, the co-creation hub in Nigeria, um, one of the largest uh, uh, tech incubate. I mean, tech tech. What do we call it? It's not an incubator. Oh, it's a tech innovation. It's a center. tech innovation center. <laughs> yeah. Probably you never hear of really tech innovation centers. Period. So it's it's, it's probably the largest tech innovation center on the continent. Really, mm. um, they're doing <laughs> and they're doing. Just take it, okay? We're going to give it yeah, to you. Yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> just say yes. <laughs> um, so 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 we've got Basun, uh, a guy that is like deeply experienced, just not just in tech in Nigeria and so on, but just across the continent and the world. So, who is the first person that Mark Zuckerberg went to see when he landed uh, on on the African shores? Give, give a guess, right? <laughs> which president? Which which celebrity? Which billionaire? Barack Obama. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bosun no. Tijani. Oh, really? Mark Zuckerberg oh, wow. landed here. Didn't that. even tell the president of, of Nigeria that I'm, I'm here. Went and saw Bosun Tijani because this is the guy that is making, that is making, that is making all of the waves. So, so we, we're very fortunate. <laughs> we're very fortunate to have Bosun, Bosun in studio. We also have uh, Yuri Brum. Uri. Uh, is it Uri? Uri Brum. Answer to anything. <laughs> you shouldn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> you know where that's going. So, so Uri is a problem because he does a lot of things. Mm. Um, he does a lot of things in stats. Um, he is building an entire coding academy um, with with Umuzi um, in Johannesburg. Um, he does. He's he's got like one of the most like an app that is. Like how, how many people? How many people did you say? Are like, are like on the app in China, it's like a big app in China <laughs> that he built by accident. You remember that that app? There was that bird app mm. at some stage Angry that birds. was no, not Angry Birds. There was some some Flappy Birds. Some flappy oh, Birds. Oh, there was sorry. like there was this app called Flappy Birds at some stage. This guy was just like coding an app just by mistake, and this thing just became humongous. And that's kind of what happened to Uri. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny about Uri? So Uri, um, by trade, is not a statistician at all. He didn't do any stats. Um, So I don't know where he learned that, but probably online somewhere. (laughs) Then wrote a book about it, which is only 60 pages long, Mm. I'll tell you, right? But 60 pages of excellent stuff. And... um, and the World Bank phoned him up and said, listen, on 60 pages, we want you to consult to us. So wow. the guy <laughs> knows what he's doing somewhere along the line, or he, it's he also writes. just fake as well. <laughs> fake stats. Fake he stats. Writes, he, he writes, he writes for thing. The Economist as well. So he's another heavy hitter, and we were really privileged to have both of them in <laughs> what studio. What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> My friend, I think... Are we carry let's this leave the room and let them have a conversation. Because I think it would be more That's a good idea, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can... Anyway, we're not the stars of the show. These two are. So let's 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 jump into it, uh, guys. Thank you very much for having us. Good to be with you guys. Thank uh, you. I don't know why I'm saying having us. Thank you for coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like. Where, where are you right now? Whose house are you in? Get club. I thought it was weird when you asked to record the show at my house. But yeah. Well, yeah. But welcome, yeah. welcome. Thank you yeah. for having us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, uh, getting into it, uh, I just want us to 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 get into just. What's happening? Give us a sense, right? We, we are guys who are coming into this. You guys are more vested. You spend a lot of time in this particular space. What is happening as far as the future of the world is concerned and data? Is data really 
um, the future gold um, or the future oil that's going to determine the fate of entire countries and so on. Busun. Oh, okay. Um, well, um, that's an interesting question. Uh, interesting in the, in the sense that it is a known fact in a way that data is going to, and it is playing a major role in, in the way our society is uh, uh, evolving. Uh, and I think somehow that was intentional, but a lot of it as well is something we're all waking up to. I don't think a large part of it was intentional, to be honest. I think what is giving bets to that is uh, what you may call quantum leap in technology, uh, where all of a sudden things like processing power, uh, it's a lot cheaper than what it used to be uh, mm-hmm. so many years ago. Uh, so the ability for people to, to now be able to collect but not just collect, process and store data, which means you can now do s- smart things with, with data, you know, things that you could only do back in the days where you have to hone a supercomputer, which, mm. which was really, really expensive. You can now do it in the corner of your, your bedroom. Mm. And I think the implication of that is that as we also go mobile, uh, you know, mobile, mobile uh, phones are now becoming really, really strong as well. Uh, it means that the ability to collect data is also... Uh, being tremendously uh, affected. It's mm-hmm. a lot easier now. And and with the emergence of internet, which means we're also connected, so you don't actually need to collect then find a way to transfer. Uh, in real time, the data you collect, you can almost push it to a database somewhere that is going to do the analysis. And I think that's going to, ch- it's, it's already shaping our world in, a, in an exciting way. It's going to make life a lot easier for us. Uh, we have some of the apps that, uh, I've changed so many parts of our lives, like Uber, for instance, changing transportation, uh, where you really don't need to own a car. You can order a car on demand, uh, and you don't need to bother about paying. You don't need to haggle for how much it's going to cost you to move from one location to the other. Uh, those things are going to, they're turning our lives, they're making our lives a lot easier, which means we're all going to be tempted to continue to embed technology in every part of our lives. But the implication of that as well is that we're enable we're enabling the process of that data gathering, whether willingly or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're enabling the process of data gathering, which simply means... By, simply by need. Yes, yeah, simply by need, simply because um, technology is, is just simplifying everything for us, uh, which is exciting. You know, the, a, lot, a lot of that is going to make us more efficient as people mm-hmm. uh, and as society. You know, we can do things more efficiently, which means uh, cut off waste as well to a large extent. And I think that's what's driving uh, the use of data and data being gold. Uri, so we tend to speak about technology these days as if it's something new, but we've had technology forever, right? Mm-hmm. So the introduction of the car, um, the steam engine, um, you know, that, that, that those are technologies in themselves. But mm-hmm. it's, it's almost when we speak about technology these days, we speak as if like, you know, this thing that has just been introduced, technology, what is it about technology today that is so fundamentally different about the way technologies of the past were introduced and, and reshaping the world? Or is it simply that, you know, were people having this type of conversation back then when the phone was introduced? Um, sure. I think if you looked at the time when the steam engine was coming in, it felt like your whole world was changing in a way that you couldn't understand. And the same goes for, you know, the seed drill. Suddenly you could plant your seeds much faster. At the time that felt crazy it felt like a whole new world Mm. and so i think we do sometimes overstate how different today is that said we're all working now at a crazily larger scale than has ever been possible before um power is being consolidated in fewer and fewer hands so there are some special features to the modern world you know i'm interested because this conversation brings about and i'd I'd love to hear your thoughts uh listeners out there you can hit us up on wechat cliffcentral.com or uh twitter at rory shabalala or at yewo underscore levy but I'd love to hear how you guys feel about this this ever-increasing technology coming into our lives. So mm. I see, Basson, you've got your <laughs> your data that's, what's that called? Wearable data, mm-hmm. where you can match exactly how many steps you've walked and yep. run and yep. calories and, 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 and how your heart's doing. Yep. And does this, you know, both of you play in different spaces in the, in the, the tech world. Does this stuff scare you? 
I mean, what, let's just use you as an example. What's this watch? What, what is that thing? What is that? That's a Polar V800. Polar is based in Portland, Oregon, right? Polar is based in Portland, Oregon, America. And You're doing well for all these advertisers that aren't paying us. Today, you're on a roll today. It's reverse Are you getting money that I don't know about? I'm funneling. I'm channeling. It's through Bitcoin. You'll never see it. It's fine. But um, I'm interested, you know, like, are you stressed about what, what they're collecting on you? I think the good that we get from it, to be honest, uh, would almost compensate for the, for the danger and the risk in a way. Um, but unfortunately, every time there's something good, I think there are people out there who turn it on its head and use it negatively. And I, I always like to use the example of wearables, uh, because I'm actually quite excited about wearables and, and, and fitness, for instance. Uh, I think increasingly we're all, we're all aware of the need to stay physically active for health reasons. But if you, if you cast your mind back to say probably eight, ten years ago, where all you had was the doctor or someone telling you to stay active, <laughs> and you know let's say someone that is slightly obese who chooses to stay active um it'll probably take you a few months before you can begin to see progress mm-hmm. which means in a way a lot of people get discouraged from actually living very active lives but with wearables if you choose to stay active today wearables can literally tell you how much calories you've burnt mm. Some wearables can tell you what you're going to be doing if you continue that way in the next one week, what you're going to achieve, what you're going to achieve in two weeks, what you're going to achieve in, 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 in one month. And what you begin to see is that sends some kind of signal to your, to your head that says, you know, I can do this. So you can actually then keep going on because you can measure the progress that you're going to make on a daily basis, mm-hmm. which it's, it's real to you than waiting for two months to lose it. So you can see the benefit of this kind of technology in our mm-hmm. lives. It's quite direct in that sense. Uh, but of course, the danger is there as well, which, um, uh, which I believe is the fact that you're literally mapping your life. And, mm-hmm. you know, the guy who's got access to your life can actually determine what happens to you. Uri, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so Rory, to answer your original question, is data the new gold? In some ways, I feel like it's gold. And in some ways, it's more like radioactive waste, right? <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Help us understand yeah. that for us. It's a side product of something else. Mm. A lot of the data that's being gathered about us, mm. it's not that someone went out deliberately to collect that Absolute. data. Absolutely. Right? Bussin, as, as Bussin said at the start, you know, people are gathering all this data about us. Uh, they're storing it because processing power is cheaper and cheaper. Yeah. So there's no reason for them not to just store yeah. everything. There's yeah. no reason to ever yeah. throw data yeah. away. Yeah. And one of the big fears is that in the future, you know, this data could leak or the companies could use it in different ways that we mm. don't want, or just generally that you don't want some company in Mountain View to know everything about your life. Mm. It's it's a it's a fascinating space, and if you've just joined us, we, we're asking the question to our viewers or to our, to our viewers, to our viewers, <laughs> to our guests. We're getting this all wrong today, aren't we? You can see how professional we are. We, we, we're saying thank you for for having us in your studio. We're saying to our viewers and to our guests, it's been great. Um, to our guests in the studio, we're we're asking, is data the new gold? Really trying to understand the space a little bit more. There's an interesting context around this, you know, Rory introduced it, I suppose, in the idea of colonization. And Mm. is this the new colonization of of the world, you know, data? Rory, unpack that a little bit. Do you think that this, you know, because Uri is now saying it's actually radioactive waste, um, which I kind of like. It's it's the byproduct of of something. Um, how, How do you envision it being this powerful tool in the future that could potentially change countries, change worlds, change ways of of being? Well, if you think about it, the control of wealth ultimately determines your control of everything else, right? So if you control, there was once once upon a time, it was the control of our natural resources um, that then enabled to, that enabled countries to build wealth and on the Mm. basis of wealth and so on, they were then able to control everything else, right? So the question is, is data then going to be that that next form of wealth that 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 gets that gets controlled and that can impact? I mean, before the show, um, the guys were telling us about how you know the fangs, for example, know more about us than our own governments know about us mm. uh, these days. And and what can they do with that? If you think about what happened, as I said, in Russia, um, Russia and the United States in terms of of 
impacting an entire the most developed countries uh, elections uh, were impacted by meddling through social media mm-hmm. so those that can that have control over data and can manipulate data seem to be able to 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 cause huge things to happen and so the big thing is on the continent we're producing data you know just by moving around we don't have to be actively participating mm. we don't have to be doing it on purpose mm-hmm. but we're producing data that is that is that is telling others about us about what we shop what we buy what we need and so on and so they're then able to begin to influence us um one of the interesting thing, things that's happening in the united states for example now is how uh, amazon is beginning to impact um on the tax system in the united states mm-hmm. simply because now i have to buy if i buy something i don't have to pay a sales tax in the in the in the in the state that i'm in so for example as a south african um if i'm buying something um on amazon i'm not paying vat in south africa just as an example so it means that south africa begins to lose out on the tax that mm. they used to use to build hospitals and you know pay the guptas whatever it is that they, <laughs> whatever it is that they used well, to do, do right? <laughs> so 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 can you imagine that i mean the like the fangs are bigger than a lot of national of of of, of national economies right they 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 hold more money mm. than entire countries and that is beginning to impact on where power sits mm. um who makes the decisions i mean the 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 ceos of the fangs effectively are presidents mm. um they control huge huge amounts of resources and with those resources they can cause they can even cause presidents to be elected or not elected or removed or not removed let, let me ask you this because i we should have started potentially here. Has there been a moment in your guys' lives where you've actually realized, wow, there's a lot of data capturing going on. That's quite scary. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you the one, uh, and then I'd love to hear from you guys as well. The one that I found interesting is if you have an iPhone, which, uh, you know, according to iPhone sales, many people Another do. Another free plug. Hey, you're on a roll. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm, this coming from the guys talking about fangs the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> let's, yeah, let, let, let's just relax there, right? <laughs> so if you have an iPhone, there's a thing that's running in the background. I think it's called the health app. Have you guys seen that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a thing called the health app. Go have a look at it. it it's it's actively tracking all your moves. All your moves yeah. Everything you do. it Where you are. And because you, you automatically buy into it and you're using data to, to influence all these things and update it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's telling you how many steps you're doing, where you're walking, how far you're walking, how fast you're walking. And honestly, I had absolutely no idea, one, why it's usable mm-hmm. and what's the use of it. And two, I didn't even know it existed on mm-hmm. my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, that, that freaked me out. I don't know why. I don't know if you guys have had similar experiences with something. I'd like to speak to that one in particular, to be honest, because I have an app that also syncs with, with, the, you, health yeah, uh-huh. with the health app and it mm-hmm. pulls that data. That's Trooper, right? Yeah, yeah Trooper. And I think, to be honest... Um, a lot of iPhone users are not aware of it. Mm. Uh, that's actually one of the use cases that you can use to demonstrate how much information we're giving mm. away. Is it useful? I think I think so. I think the intention is that it's uh, useful. Sorry, to you or to the to the company? I think to you eventually it can be useful. I think part of the thinking for it is so. Imagine if you're one of those who uses or the, the new online medical services where you can interact with your doctors online and things like that. I think part of the intention is that your doctors can also gain access to that kind of data, which, if it's used positively, uh, should be good for you. But I think the danger with most of these things when we when we see them and talk about them is the fact that businesses are set up to maximize returns. Mm. And in that process, businesses would process data to help them understand their users so that they mm-hmm. can sell more to you. Mm-hmm. And in the process of understanding you, I think Rory was talking about uh, control of resources and power. Uh, there's never been a time in human history where we have the ability to control human beings. We've been able to control resources and things like that. Mm. I think right now we have the power to actually control what you think of uh, because by mapping you, mapping your activities, there's the kind of news I know that if I push to you, it's going to set your agenda for the day. And most of the time, you're going to open your phone when you wake up in the morning. I probably now know the app that you open the most first thing when you open up. So I can push a kind of news to you 
that will determine what you what your mood will be for the rest of the day. Mm. These are some of the things that we're beginning to see that that is quite dangerous and negative side of of technology. Uri, so sh- should we should we be scared um, of of these new developments? I always recommend being scared. It's the only <laughs> it's the only good attitude to life. Just as a general just rule. as a general principle, <laughs> irrespective yeah. of technology, until or not. proven otherwise. Absolutely. Um, it seems like a huge problem to me that a you know a smart, sophisticated, elegant man like Andrew. Uh, doesn't know what permissions his phone already has, right? We're mm, all absolutely. in a situation where we don't know. Absolutely disappointed. I'm disappointing <laughs> myself. <too. laughs> uh, we don't know. Uh, technically, we've all agreed to these things. Yes. It was somewhere in the terms and yes. conditions, but yeah. like the most common lie in the Uri, world is I have read and agreed to the terms and conditions. Read those has. terms and conditions. They're like horribly long. Well, Uri didn't even know he had a health app on his phone. So I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's not worried about the conditions. But you're right. Those conditions are actually a problem, right? Yeah. It's a huge problem. And yes. the permissions that these apps are asking for have historically often been permissions they don't need. You know, you've got, uh, you know, classic cases like these flashlight apps. All it does is put a light on your phone. It shouldn't need any permissions at all. And yet if you looked through it, it's asking for permissions for your location, for your email history, for all your contacts, for your photos. For your yeah, photos. Yeah. Why? Why? This is completely unnecessary, mm-hmm. but this is classic surveillance advertising technology. They want to know as much as possible about you, largely so that they can advertise to you. But what do you do except live like a Luddite, right? Because <laughs> you, the, the, Who's Luddite? all of all of these. Uh, d- don't worry, that's the next show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luddites were like these guys that just like uh, were ba- simple terms were opposed to new technologies being developed. Um, anyway, anyway, that's another story for another day. But um, what what do you do? Because it seems like if you're going to participate and be a member of just normal society and just like, you know, determine where you're going to, how you get to where you're going to get to, how you transact, how you get products to, how you get products to your house and mm-hmm. all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, how, is there a way of insulating you? I mean, you guys know a lot, so probably more than the average person mm-hmm. about all of the surveillance tech and so on, but yet you guys are still on it, mm-hmm. right? Do you, or are you guys taking special precautions that the rest of us aren't? How do you insulate yourself? It's almost like, it's almost like you feel powerless, like you know that it's happening, mm-hmm. you know, like you get this phone and you love it and then it asks you to first agree to terms and conditions. You don't read those terms and conditions. No. And even if you read them and there was something you didn't like, are you taking your phone back to, 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 to the phone company and saying, look, I can't agree to this term and condition. Can we either talk about it or else I don't want your phone? No, no. you're almost stuck. So, no. so like, what do you do? Is there an alternative? I, I think what I always preach about this is I, I truly don't believe that you can be careful enough. Um, you can, it's almost like you can, you can hide, but you can't run. Really, that's why I think it is, to be honest. Um, and I, I, I tend to also focus more on the good that, that we get out of this. But, but the implication is that there's a changing role and, and the social fabric of society needs to change as well. Uh, there's a changing role for government. Uh, government needs to be a lot more smarter uh, in understanding the role they play and, and mm-hmm. why securing their people is important, which is what you see in more advanced society, uh, which, which I think in my mind brings to the fact that even in, even in Africa, uh, we need to start thinking of how we also participate in the development of the core knowledge that is driving this technology because we can't shy away from it. It's here to stay. Uh, it's by ensuring that we can participate so that when we need to protect ourselves as not just individuals, but even nation continents that we're ready and we're able to. Just uh, so on that, what do you mean by, by, by develop the core knowledge and, and why is it important in the context of this conversation? Because if we're saying data is, uh, data is gold. There's something that is making it possible for it to be gold. So, so which is, like we said, computing power, you know, ability to store, process, and things like that. And even the devices that makes it possible. Uh, the question is, which part of that do we own or not participate in, in the production? You know, if we don't own any part of it, we don't participate in how they're produced, then who owns the data that is gold? Mm. That's so, the question so, we need so to be asking. If I, if I re- rephrase that, it's like we, we, we're creating apps, but yeah. we're creating them on iOS. Absolutely. And iOS is owned by Apple, Ab- which absolutely. is... Absolutely. For, you'll find that for most basic apps, the, the problem you have with your iPhone, you probably won't have it. 
because when you download the phone, you literally have to check that mm -hmm. you want them to collect your data. But for devices, it's not the same, uh, which is which is the processing part, really, because you know they can mm. process things. That's why they're smart and in your pocket. Uh, that's owned by by a company. It's owned by a company that is situated within some economy. Um, what what? How many phones or computers are we producing or not part of production of them in in Africa? Uh, so when we talk competitiveness and we say data is gold, who is collecting the data and where's the gold? Where's the actual um, base? Where's the actual home? Where's the Fort Knox of data? <laughs> exactly. No, you know what's interesting is I think that there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment where people are collecting data mm -hmm. for no reason. Mm -hmm. They actually have no idea what they're going to do with it. Yeah. But it's like, it's, so it's not gold in the sense that you go into the mines, you get the ore, you then come out, you process it, and some gold comes out, and you put the rest in the mine dump, right? I think a lot of companies are just popping into the mine dump and then just yeah. saying, well, we'll keep it for later. I have no idea what it's going to bring. Mm -hmm. But someone but, clever enough and technology will catch up that we will then be able to mine that dot and some cool things will come out. I mean, am I crazy? When, no. when that happens, will we have the ability to also mine it, or will we have to buy our own data back is probably a big question for me. Is so. So somebody else is storing it and saying, okay, I'm sitting on it and for future use until such time that uh, an African country says, all right, so we need that data in order to improve our health systems, in order to improve our education, mm -hmm. in order. And, and whoever's been collecting it says, no, sure, you can have it for this markup. Right, the same concerns that we have about they're stripping our natural resources and then selling them back to us as beneficiated goods. I'm worried we're probably going to have the same situation with data where they're taking the data and they're going to sell it back to us as solutions mm. uh, that we don't have access to because we we didn't have the foresight maybe to, 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 to look at it. And I'd love to talk about later, but is it foresight or do, are we simply constrained? What are the constraints? What prevents us um, from playing in the same space that the rest of the world is playing in, for mm. example? But but Uri, I think uh, uh, coming, coming back to you, what is it that um, – you think should be the biggest concerns, I think, for, for the African continent um, around data and the use of data. If, you, if, you, if you're running a national economy on the African continent, um, what, what are the biggest concerns that one should be having around data and the use of it? Absolutely. So, Rory, I think this really comes back to your earlier question about is this time different? And one of the things that is different is we have fewer and fewer players in each of these markets. There is only one Facebook, and I'm going to assume that all of us here are on it. Mm. Any government who is like, well, Facebook is doing this and this with your data, therefore we're kicking Facebook out of the country, I have to assume that government would be voted out within like 10 minutes. Like, people do not want to give up. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can yeah. you imagine, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's a huge problem for us. Just the fact that there are so few power players the, the way that technology works has creates these huge network effects the first company to win big often goes on to dominate the whole market mm. and that's something that i think we should all be scared of and that we should particularly be scared of if that company is based you know halfway around the world and yeah. um, we have no power over them at all is, is there anything else then so so if if that is the, is that the biggest thing and and how do we you know, must we be building alternative Facebooks? Must we be banning people from going onto Facebook? Like it's, so <laughs> the problem is well defined, but, uh, is there an alternative? Well, are we just screwed? <laughs> we look to you, oh, oh, wise. Ah, uh, yes. So <laughs> we're we probably just screwed. Am I allowed to say that? Is that okay? Can I say that now? Am I meant to save that for later? You're supposed yeah. to save that for later, man. Save that was going to be the end. crux Yeah, yeah, that's going to be my, um, Gosh. Well, okay, so uh, you should, first of all, be going to your phone and turning off as many permissions as possible. Like, go through all the apps and see anything where it has a permission you don't think it needs. So great examples of this are microphone access. A lot of your apps have microphone access for no obvious reason. Location access. Mm -hmm. Do you really want them to have location access? But can access? you use the apps if you don't give them the permissions? Absolutely. So something like Facebook Messenger, by default, will want your microphone access. It is unclear whether it is using your microphone access without your permission. I'm not sure that it is, but I'm also not sure that it isn't. So they might say, well, we need the microphone access so that when you have a phone call through Facebook Messenger's phone service, that's what we need it for. But it's unclear that it isn't able to record you at other times. That kind of thing, if you're not using that particular service, just switch it off. It's not going to affect your usage. Mm -hmm. If you want to switch it on only when you're using their phone service. But if I'm trying to steal sense. data from you, I'm not going to mm -hmm. ask you permission, right? So... 
what else is on my phone that's simply just taking, the, you know, that's accessing my microphone without needing permission. So, so mm-hmm. who's to say that uh, Android or Apple, I mean, Google or Apple aren't already listening in? Uh, I certainly couldn't tell you. In theory, if your phone is well-designed, it should be clear who has access and who doesn't, and it shouldn't be possible for someone who doesn't have access to listen. But I certainly am not in a position to promise you that mm. no one is listening. Mm. I, I think I think the, the issue is not whether someone is tr- stealing your data. Um, I think, in all fairness, that's not our biggest headache. And most of these big companies, in my opinion, don't set out to steal. They will find ways to lure you to give. Uh, mm-hmm. because by giving, you empower them to have better information on how to interact with you for business. Um, so, so in that sense, for me, the challenge is not uh, whether they want to steal or not. I think the challenge is still just bringing it back to the fact that our world is now being built on digital platforms, and there's, there's really little we can do to stop that, um, in my opinion. I think Basuna is absolutely right that we do just give this stuff away. Nobody needs to take it from us. You used to have conspiracy theories and sci-fi about, you know, the government having a microphone in your house. But now people are buying an always-on microphone to put in their house. They're paying money to be listened to constantly. uh, You know, we're doing the work. We're doing the work. Recently, Amazon Amazon has developed a, a new app that allows you to basically give them the key to your house. So, yeah. so yeah, so, so they can deliver things and put them inside well, no, your house. Yeah. Literally uh, open your house. Yeah. And, uh, so, so it's never mind just <laughs> listening. It's like just come in and take everything. Like just come into my house, own everything. You know, it's it's interesting because we're we're speaking about uh, data here, and is data the new gold? And frankly speaking, and uh, not a traditional topic that we would we'd probably go to, but very interesting nonetheless. And and what I find fascinating, just hearing from both you gentlemen, is that the it's a very close link between data and then the security world. Mm-hmm. I find that really mm-hmm. interesting because, you know, like when we talk about gold, for example, right? Gold is a natural resource which then allows for power and wealth. When we talk about data, it's not about power, wealth. I mean, it's about power, but it's not about wealth specifically. It's about knowing. It's about intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's about how much Absolutely. do you know in order to make Absolutely. the rest of the world freak out Absolutely. completely. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I think you used the keyword there, which we've probably not touched on, and is intelligence. Um, you know, gone are the days where you literally need to collect intelligence in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ability to map patterns, which is what a lot of researchers spend their times on when, when they study different issues. Uh, the ability to collect information on people's patterns and then map that over time and interpret it is what I think is driving gold to become, uh, sorry, data to become gold. Uh, gold to become data. Uh, <laughs> it is a thing. It is that's a So, yeah, I think, and, and that's what makes it exciting because for positive things, you need intelligence, which means our society, our world is going to become more smarter. But at the same time is what makes it scary as well. Uh, the fact that you can predict things. It, it takes us to that point which we've not, uh, for, for the religion, religious ones amongst us, you know, the fact that you're almost near God. Mm-hmm. You, you know things that, that literally no one before now can tell. Just uh, you're touching on religion, just yeah, as, a, as, a, as a tangent. <laughs> so, there we go. Triple yeah, six and go. so on. We, we, uh, we we're almost there, right? I mean, it's you used to yeah, <laughs> you used to read you used to read about no, you know, at some stage you will have to have a barcode on your thing. Yeah. Now we're literally on seeing on, on your on your forehead, oh. on your wrist. Yeah. And all of we're now there. No, yeah, on tweets. It's looking like that. <laughs> Scary. So so, but but moving beyond because this is the thing, right? Is when yeah. those that technology scares ultimately fall behind. Yeah. And those that embrace technology are the ones that ultimately then move ahead. So the the the, the thing for Africa <coughs> is is for us probably not to be scared by it, but to figure out how to leverage it. So I want us to just talk about. Um, what it is that Africa should be doing and, and in what ways that Africa can begin to to leverage its own data, uh, first for its own purposes and then to basically begin to export solutions to the rest of the world. Yeah. What is it that is preventing us or has prevented us thus, thus far, uh, do you guys think, from, from, from being the ones that are developing all of these great technologies and, and making things happen on a, on a global scale, Uri? Well, the first thing I'd just like to say is that 
technology as we use it in the West is largely an American thing. It's not even European companies who are doing this well. It's really a bunch of companies out of California who are California and Washington State, like the Northwest United States, who are dominating this entire sector. So China has tech giants. Russia has tech giants. But if you're sitting in the UK, like you are using 100% or 90%, let's say, large American companies' services. Um, this is like a larger question then of how does anyone outside of that that huge gravitational force start to create their own services um, and start to like own their own data. Mm. So, so, so I think I believe in humanity. And if you look again, I'm not big on history, but if you look, you, you, you can probably tell that humans would always find ways to correct some of these things. You know, our pursuit for excellence, the evolution will always take us to where we stumble upon things that will look scary. But we have the ability to then come back and, and revert it. And if, if you're a fan of technology and you look at what's being done with blockchain, uh, which is now heavily being used in, uh, for Bitcoin and it's being used in so many other areas as well. The movement is about how do we now protect ourselves? How do we make sure that individuals have total controls of the kind of information they release? So we'll get to the stage where, um, we begin to find ways to address these problems that we're creating. So uh, I don't necessarily think everyone sh should start worrying about the world going extinct because we want to destroy the world. And I think for Africa, I think it's a wake-up call. Uh, this is one of the practical moments where uh, we need to understand that we can't just always be comfortable with all our resources that we've got, natural resources, that we just take things easy. Uh, we don't really want to participate in knowledge generation and application. I think that's, that is an important part of human history. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you look at uh, the way railways evolve, transportation evolve in the past, and, and how much good that's done to humanity, that's because certain people are actually applying themselves, thinking true things and applying the knowledge they're able to generate. Mm. I think more than any time in, 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 in our history, this is the time we need to pay attention to what role do we play in generating knowledge and but, how but, do we apply how did that we, How help? do we end up here where we, we, we seem to be far behind the, the, the curve? I think what, I have a what layman is it that reaction has to that? Us? I have a layman reaction to that. Yeah. So, so it's like if you look at, say, if you look at Europe, for instance, you live in Germany with changing weather, uh, how do you survive in winter? You have to build technologies. You've got to be creative, right? But if you live in where I live in Lagos, where, uh, yeah, maybe it gets, there's a raining season. That's just about it. And I can build, you know, some form of shelter and survive within it. I think we live in an environment where we're we not really, you, you know, nature is kind of good to us. So we don't have that many. This is my layman theory. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's mm -hmm. right or wrong, obviously. We're not challenged by our environment to push, to push too hard. And of course, there's the question whether, uh, whether we should be pushing at all if, if our environment is not demanding. But unfortunately, the world we live in is becoming borderless by the day, which means even if we don't want to push the Somebody boundaries of our society, out. it's being pushed elsewhere, and that's going to have implication on our own world as well. So we can't stand back and not be part of it. Uri, who's pushing the Americans to go to the moon? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what, yes, what's, what's pushing the Americans to, to, to want to go to Mars, do you think? Um, well, I wanted to say that Busun is obviously a very modest guy, so he won't tell you this, but he is the innovation. He is pushing things forwards, and I think that Absolutely. is an important part of the story, right? Mm. Uh, in the long run, you never want to be involved in commodities. You want to be involved in something new. What is it about the Americans that makes them so keen to do new things? I, I, I couldn't even guess. Um, well, but Sorry, I'm interested in, in, mm. in maybe your home country a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Israel, because mm -hmm. I think that they have an incredible want and desire to be involved in intelligence, Absolutely. right? And, and I don't mean in defense intelligence. I think yeah. military, that's where a lot of it comes and stems from. But, I mean, uh, Israel has the most amount of entrepreneurs. It's called startup nation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. all, mm -hmm. we've, we've all seen the book. Jeez, that was a brilliant marketing campaign. <laughs> Whoever, like, whichever Israeli prime minister put that book and said, you write this book and we're going to call it Israel, startup nation. Bam, like, amazing. But, I mean... Israel's a, a relatively yeah. tiny country. With seven million people. Surrounded seven by eight. enemies. Just to show that I read the book. Surrounded <laughs> by enemies on all borders. Mm, and look yet, at you with uh, your reading <laughs> of knowledge. But I'm interested because uh, yeah. America is, is big. It's a beast. It's always tried to be a beast. It's the hegemony. Israel is as excited and as focused about data collection, understanding intelligence, 
What makes them different? What, what are they doing? I mean, so at the level of generality, I think there's two big things. The first is that it's a small country, which, as you say, doesn't trade with its neighbors. So it's effectively an island. Mm-hmm. And if you're an island, you can't run a big supermarket chain. You can't run a big clothing chain. Mm-hmm. Technology is the thing where you can build it in Tel Aviv, a city of one million people. My whole country would fit into your, both your guys' cities, if Stay I'm not mistaken, right? <laughs> they would be like one little suburb of Lagos, I think. You know, like no one would even notice it. Um, so yeah, technology is this one opportunity to do something on a global scale and to make lots and lots and lots of money. Mm. Um, and the second thing is, and Busun and I were talking about this earlier, was that, you know, technology and innovation come out of either academic settings or research settings mm. of some kind. So Israel's got a very strong research culture, small teams of people work on interesting or research problems. Settings, right? Potentially in a defense setting, uh, some, some of that might be that coming out, there, right? out of a defense out setting. But you have small teams of intelligent people who have been working on a problem together for four or five years, mm. uh, and then they want to start a startup together, and then they make some company, and mm. you know they do brand new mm. things. And to the extent that we can kind of harness that power and harness just like intelligent people working on difficult problems, I think that's that's the future. It's it, it's interesting, guys. We're, we're speaking about data and and data being the new gold. And um, just a, a little bit off topic is this idea of, Uri, I think you mentioned it, you said how the northwest of America, San Francisco, the Bay Area, you know, is, is just killing everything. But I'm fascinated always by what is the East doing? Uh, what is China and Japan and Korea doing in this, in South Korea, let me just say, in this, in this setting? Um, because they often back in the 80s were seen as the innovators of technology, right? That that surely hasn't changed. Like, they must be doing some really radical things. WeChat, as an example, mm-hmm. has got is, is far superior than an iMessage or a WhatsApp, for example. You can do payments through it and, and all these kind of things. China recently just blocked Bitcoin. So there's something there that's freaking them out a lot about about free exchanges and so on. But what, what is the East doing in terms of this data? This data? I mean, do, do any of you know? Um, I don't think I know much about it, uh, but from some of the examples you've given and what, what is public, public knowledge is that their willingness to be part of the development. So you mentioned WeChat. So they have the population to have almost like a competition to WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. But, it, but what the smart thing they do, though, is they use policies to enforce to drive it. it. Yeah, mm. because if you want to compete based on pure market dynamics, you, you know, you're going to try to build a competition for what's happening in Africa and you're just literally going to struggle. Mm. Um, but part of what they do is they use... And, you know, people have people can complain about that. You know, for some people don't like the fact that the markets are not open, which, which is correct. But in the kind of world that we currently operate in, there's a need for that balance, and which was why I mentioned why the role of government needs to evolve as well. Mm. Government needs to be a lot mm. more smarter in the kind of world we live in today. Uh, you don't want to be completely closed, but at the same time, you want to protect to a large extent. Protectionism, that sounds like Trumpism. <laughs> I know you're a big fan of uh, yeah. <laughs> I lie. I lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think in, in more positive ways, uh, you don't want to be overly too protective such that you then kill uh, innovation. That's mm-hmm. one. You can also have afford to be pro- protective when you're also investing in knowledge creation, right. uh, which is where we have the issue in Africa. We're not inventing enough to protect. Um, so, so, so there's a, there's a, there's a need for a balance. Mm. You're not going to say foreign companies can't play in my, my, my market, but you want a level playing field mm. such that when technologies and inventors locally are building things, they also have the opportunity to thrive. So, think, so you, 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 you have quite a, okay, Uri, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think one area where government just hasn't kept up with the times mm. is this idea of like what it means to be a monopoly yep. in, in a tech, in a network space. Um, Technically, I could build a replacement for WhatsApp tomorrow. There's not a monopoly in the sense that I can't enter Mm -hmm. that market. Mm -hmm. But I can't enter that market. There is no way, once WhatsApp has got sufficient grasp in a country, Mm. the value of that product is its network. The Mm. value is that all your friends are also on it. Mm. Uh, And we're in this scary world where, you know, Facebook is this huge network that also owns Instagram, Mm. um, that also owns WhatsApp. WhatsApp. (laughs) Exactly. That is genuinely a scary situation 
that we're not ready for because they're not a monopoly in the traditional sense, but they do have tremendous market power and government does need to get on board. So what should we be doing on the African continent particularly? Because this is where we are. This is where our scope of influence is, guys. What what should Africans be focused on if we want to make sure that we have a fighting chance um, in this new world where data is the new gold um, and, and where your ability to develop technology is? Is, is, is going to be a very critical part of that new world. We're in a world that's also replacing a lot of just labor, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if we're going to even have jobs for all of the people, all of our people, um, we already have high unemployment. If we don't want it to get any worse, we're going to have to develop technologies and industries that can absorb them, but those need to be in line with what where the world is going. Where should we be focused on? This sounds like there's a lot of things. If you mm-hmm. could help us in terms of just a, a very simple framework of understanding where we should be focused, where would, where would you say we should be starting? I think the starting point in my mind would be for us to realize that the buzz phrase knowledge economy is not just there for fun. <laughs> and if, you, if we all subscribe to the fact that we're operating in knowledge economy, then... Just help break that down for me. What does yeah. that mean in your mind? I think for me, literally means that um, what determines how competitive any economy can be is how much, how well you can apply knowledge. Uh, simply, you know, so you're not going to do agriculture and be the best nation in agriculture if you can't uh, generate new knowledge and ways of uh, cultivating crops. Uh, that is going to make you more competitive than than the traditional way that has been has been done. So it, so it doesn't mean that we're going to forget everything that we've done in the past. So you're not going to be the you're not going to have a taxi uh, companies that will continue to do transportation the same old way and expect Uber not to take their business. You know, it just means you need to add some layers to it because there's now sophistication and, and users want better services. So it means we need to focus on how we develop, how we train our people to be competitive in the sense that they, they can be relevant in the world that we're moving into. Uh, if we're still training people on, 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 you know, the old ways of things when they can't participate in the new knowledge economy, then we're not going to be competitive. Practically, what does that look like? Soon, so? It means, it means we need to elevate the place of our, uh, institutions of learning, uh, not only elevate it, upgrade their role, help them understand what role they should play in the society, invest heavily in them as well. We shouldn't just think because we still have poverty and we just need to keep feeding people. That's not just the only way. We need to train our people so that when they get to the stage where they can be productive, we can actually feed them in sustainable manners and it also means we need to respect the place of research uh this is what the west is always you know good about everything you see lying here there's someone somewhere that is trying to make it better there's someone trying to make the better car there's someone trying to make the better material that is used for shoes there's someone trying to make the better processing machine for probably milk you know, so someone is always working on improving our lives. And if we don't participate in that, we're literally just waiting for someone to create the future that we're going to live in. And they'll dictate it to us. And all we'll do is struggle to find money to buy our survivor mm. in that next future. So, so Uri, that is on a national, uh, national level, at an individual level. Uh, what should we be, what should we be focused on if we want, if we don't want to get left behind um, in this gold rush? I would second that thought that the key is often just to improve something that's already there. And it almost doesn't matter how bizarre and niche it is. In a sufficiently large world, if you're really into milk production and you really, really improve like one small part of the machinery that improves milk production, you could end up creating like a a huge amount of value. If you, you know, are really into those little metal bits on shoes, which you do your laces through if you invented a better one of those you could you know you could make billions from all the shoes in the world um on an individual level i just think constantly thinking about things that are new things that are innovative trying to improve things that are already there on a national level and on a personal level that seems like a great solution to me i wonder if uh, you know we're talking about humans like they don't evolve and that's an interesting concept for me i wonder if you know getting back to this data thing if we're not going to care as much about our own personal data so, Basun, you're running 10 kilometers a day or 12 kilometers a day and, and your heart goes at 120 BPS and then 160 BPS and you don't care who's picking up that data. I wonder if we will evolve like that. I mean, the stupid small thing, this does sound weird, so maybe I should, 
Ashen <laughs> says it right here. Uh-huh. You know? uh-huh. But 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 um, the way in which we as humans have um, regarded our bodies. Um, we, we see in Hollywood, for example, you know, like, um, male and females are, are taking nude selfies because of the push of data and being hijacked and, you know, WhatsApp's being hacked. And so then celebrities just literally take their own nude selfies and just pop, pop them out there, right? There's the, the change in, in human psyche towards data might be the unlock for, for a lot of the way we think about this, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're placing a lot of importance on this data yep. as if it's important because it's, it's a part of ourselves, right? But if we, if we take that away, then is it as important? Do you think that when the toilet was invented, um, people were like, I am not crapping in that. Who's going to take my dump and what are they going to do with it? Well, here's the interesting thing, right? So, um, talking about Uri's uh, country of residence, there's a, there's a mountain called Masada. Mm-hmm. And on that mountain, it's a long story, but basically a whole bunch of Jews went to die because Romans were about to kill them and, 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 right? So it's a, it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is you can see how people used to use the toilet and it was very communal. <laughs> so everyone would sit in a line and go and have a, a poo. Dump. Yeah. Uh, that is not happening right now. I mean, but, but you know, I, so I asked that in tongue in cheek work, but 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 you know, it's there, there must have been a time when this thing was first introduced. There must have been like, wait a minute, you mean this thing is going to land in where? And then where's it going to go up? It's going to go to some central place. <laughs> <laughs> and the, are they not going to bewitch me? Right? <laughs> <laughs> we have gone completely off topic here. No, but, but, but I'm just saying. And pooing. No, no, like, no. But I'm just, saying, I'm just saying that <laughs> to your point about will people care? Now you take a dump, you don't even care where it goes, where it goes. Mm. There must have been a world where people are like, no, people are going to take this and bewitch me, or they're going to do all of this stuff. I so, see. I see. So in saying. the same way, is, is, is that probably what's going to happen with data? It's just like, you know what? I'm just living. I don't have time to be concerned about, uh, or, or should, should people genuinely be concerned? I vote yes. It's possible that in the future we just won't care. Everyone will have seen us naked and everyone will know all of our secrets and we'll just be okay with that. But I really hope we don't get to that future. And the reason for that is that I think people will always behave differently in the public and private sphere. Mm, I think you need a space in which to just explore new things, to explore new ideas, to try things out. If I knew that every email I ever sent was eventually going to get published, mm-hmm. I would feel much more scared about writing interesting things in email. Every time I would write something, I would be like, oh, well, like, what if my best friend saw this? What if my teacher saw this? I think that's a really scary world. So I hope we don't go there. But I see mm-hmm. how it could could happen. That's very interesting. I, I also don't think it's going to be that simple. Uh, even if we don't care, the, the, the value of the data is not the same as what you compared it to. I like to believe that as, as humans as well, we like to feel like we're in control. The moment you feel that someone can actually control you by, by understanding you better than you understand yourself, um, you lose it. Yeah, that's a it's an interesting thought. I mean, I remember you you mentioned it a little earlier, Rory, when we were speaking. The first time you you typed, uh, I don't know, holiday in somewhere in the mm. free state, mm. and then suddenly on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram, all these free state B and Bs started popping up, and you're like, how did they know? How did they know I was going to Bloemfontein? You know, like, Technically, they made my life easier, right? Well, they might have, yeah. But so it doesn't matter. The worst part is when you don't when you search something that is totally irrelevant, right? Mm-hmm. And then it keeps popping up, mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> every single time, you know. Yeah. yeah. Poor pause. Oh my god! And then every poor <laughs> yeah. ad yeah. comes up. So, so that is quite scary for me personally. Yeah. Well, look, I think this has been quite an interesting conversation. That there's been a lot. That I think there's still a lot to digest. But uh, I think. Going back to the question of uh, is data the new gold um, and learning from the past, I think that, that there are big issues and the big questions that we as p- primarily Africans have to answer about how do we want to play in this new world. Um, we look back at the past and say, but, you know, they took our they took our minerals, they took our natural resources. Are we going to be saying that in 20, 30 years' time, saying, but they took our data, or are we going to be participating in it and owning our data and doing amazing things with it? Uh, I think we don't have an option. We have to, and we're already participating as well. I think that's one thing we need to not throw away completely as well. Uh, There are exciting things happening uh, all over the continent. 
I, I think we just need to understand that we need to do much more. Uh, there's no time to, to be relaxed about it. Uh, we need to fully engage. I absolutely second that. I think the one thing is how to uh, interpret the data. I think w- that's probably where we could we could actually mm-hmm. add some serious value and and leapfrog a whole bunch of things because data is one thing sitting on a mind dump somewhere. Mm-hmm. If we can learn to be the best at interpreting that data, we then can use it to our advantage. So could we please stop like producing apps for like the United <coughs> States and so on that actually mean when we've got so much uh, you know, wealth that we can actually focus on on the African continent. Could we please stop producing? Uh, I don't know. What are some of the silly apps that are being produced um, using African resources? Um, and we're producing things, and we're trying to compete with the United States at producing like the dumbest apps, right? When when there's so much on the African continent, half of the water, half of the the dirty water that's consumed in the world is in sub-Saharan Africa. That is an opportunity where we should be focused on developing technologies because the rest of the world, half of the rest, half of, I mean, the rest of the world has the same problem, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so those are the things we should be focused on. And I think the big tragedy is we are actually taking a lot of resources and we're trying to replicate what's happening in the rest of the world and so on when we can't. Do you want to start another show tonight? My take on that, if I can just chip in, is, mm. um, I think we should just encourage more people to build. We shouldn't worry too much about whether we're replicating or not because there's beauty in uh, replicating. You learn when you're doing this as well. And the reason why I suggested whether you, you know, China is a good example. So we shouldn't worry too much about that. Push people to build. When they know how to build, they'll build good things. That is where we're going to have to leave it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you followed any of the show, I'll be damn impressed. Because eh? this was just <laughs> a very flowing, free-flowing conversation between four very uh, interesting and, I suppose, engaged individuals about data and whether it is the new gold. Thank you for listening. And uh, if you missed any of this, check out cliffcentral.com forward slash frankly speaking. Rory, I, I don't know how we got to Masada or taking a poo <laughs> in this episode, but I feel like we... I think that was your fault. That's honest. what makes us such a great show. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> Have yourself a lovely day. We'll see you next week. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.